26 minutes it is after 8 p.m. Tinashe Nyamudoka is my guest tonight. Tinashe, good evening to you and welcome, brother. Good evening, good evening, man. Thanks for having me and good evening to your listeners. Thank you so much, man. You, you know that word where they describe people like yourselves who are like connoisseurs or, you know, the yeah. connoisseurs of wines. And they say you're a sommelier. The first time I heard that, there was a fellow called Brian Mahanke. And I hope Brian oh, is yeah, listening. Yeah. yeah, you know Brian, eh? I was yeah, like, yeah, no, but Brian, what's this thing? Why are you saying you're a Somalian, Chief? What's happening? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, the more... wine world is very small, especially in South Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somalier. Explain to yeah. our you know, uninitiated yeah. ears, what is a Somalier? So in simple terms, it's the wine waiter. You know, in a restaurant, that guy coming to serve you wine that seems to know a little bit more about wine than you do. Mm. Uh, sometimes very pretentious. But the best of them all are very friendly and willing to help you. Yeah. It's those guys that can smell and taste everything, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as a profession, like, you can literally pour me a glass of wine blind. I can tell you which country it's from, which region, which variety, which vintage, yeah. which producer. Look, my brother, one of these days we'll talk about that. Uh, but I want to talk to you about Kumusha and I want to talk to you about the continental wine market and some of the yeah. challenges I guess uh, you have in getting your product across different borders. Uh, one of the things we've been talking about throughout the course of our show tonight is, of course, um, the difficulties. And I was saying this even to one of our colleagues, the difficulties of moving across our continent as people um, yes. for travel purposes, for leisure, for commerce and whatever, let alone the movement of goods on our continent. Talk to yeah. me about your business, Kumusha, which markets you operate in, and maybe some of your own experiences that I guess stick with you in your journey that you might want to share with us uh, this Africa month. Yeah, so Kumusha brand is, is I actually started in 2017. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I was probably doing it as a side hustle when I was working at the Test Kitchen restaurant. So I, I remember I started 1,200 bottles. And uh, during COVID, uh, you know, surprisingly or not surprisingly, not probably was a blessing in disguise. Uh, my wine brand actually grew from 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 that type that period. So to date, I'm probably producing in excess of two hundred thousand bottles. Mm. Uh, majority, which is export. Uh, obviously, the easy markets are the UK and the US. But like you mentioned, in Africa, man, it's just a nightmare. You know, it's it's, it's pretty much. Obviously, because of COVID and the container situation, just to get containers to send wines, you know, to Kenya, one mm. of my big markets, to Rwanda, one of my big markets as well. It's it's it's, it's really challenging. Uh, but I, I guess it's not just limited to to wine only, but every other product you're moving across. Uh, and my exports into Africa currently, I'm sending to Zimbabwe, mm. which is on a logistics is is much simpler, you know. Things are going on a track, but obviously, as the economy, you know it, you know, the border control, uh, the excise duty is sometimes not as smooth as, as possible. But Zim, in terms of movement, is probably the easiest market to get through. Mm. And because of the nature of the economy and the dollar rising, probably one of my best customers because it actually pays in upfront. But as the, the more you go up north, yes, the more logistical problems you get, like I said, Getting it out of South Africa, obviously, you need containers yeah, uh, yeah. 
And now there's a really backlog, especially on the Durban port with the floods and, you know, the violence which happened there. So mm. I know my Kenyan guy has almost taken five months to get his product from here sure. to Kenya. And what's, his, what's in, in, in these North African countries or, you know, African countries, the challenge is because there's no free trade, you know, and especially if it's high, it's, it's alcohol. The taxes are quite so high. For so let's instance, do this. Kenya. Let's do this, Tanasha. Maybe when you say there's no free trade, let's unpack that, right? Because I think effectively, as you did in the case of Zimbabwe, explain, I mean, so if you're taking your product and yeah. its last stop had been, say, Zambia, I don't know what port would be, uh, what the last yeah. port would be before you go into Kenya. Um, yes. What's the procedure? I mean, what kind of documentation does your product need to have in order to at least get through customs in order to get to the ultimate customer? All right. So, for instance, uh, the, my Kenyan guy, uh, he would make indications of the wines he wants, especially the product. Mm. And now it has to go through a service through the South African uh, liquor board to get certification. Then you have to go through a tasting. for, And it's, it's only in Kenya for, for that reason. They specifically have their uh, people here who taste the wine quality then they have to give you a certification. So only you can load uh, on a container when you have that certification. Uh, then you have to book a load. Uh, usually it's on the importer's, uh, importer's side, so I'll give them at my freight on board prices. Uh, then he has to take over the logistics. So I deliver to the uh, consolidator in Cape Town at the port. Uh, and usually for Kenya, it's going via Durban, so it gets loaded to... Cape Town then goes around. Maybe it might pick some stuff uh, on the Durban. Uh, then it goes up to either Mombasa. Uh, I've had a ship that's traveled all the way to Tanzania because it couldn't dock in Mombasa. Then it had to come back to Durban to pick some things and go back to Mombasa again. So w- once in Mombasa, you know, they offload the wines. And usually my guy has to put the wines in bonds. Like I'm saying, you know, in Kenya, the the... the you know, the tax is 40% on, on the invoice price plus $2 excise on each bottle. And they expect you to pay, you know, the Kenyan government expects you to pay the whole tax. So what the guy does to limit that, uh, the amount forward, he puts it in bond and draws the wine as he can pay. So if he has 1,000 bottles, probably you'll draw uh, maybe 50 bottles just to sell off then that money comes and buys out of bonds, then, you know, that's how the model works. But now the other challenging part is because, you know, African governments with this corruption and the bureaucracy, what is telling me with the Kenyan government is not allowing you to keep uh, alcohol in bond for more than three months. So now as an importer is forced to pay upfront for, for that wine or for that alcohol and usually it doesn't have the money, uh, if he does have the money, he's going to need to sell the wine, and obviously my paying terms are much more deferred. So with my Kenyan, it's, it's at least 60 days on day of lending because he says he needs to sell before he pay me. So now if he gets these delays, it's going into three months, it's going into four months before I get paid, which messes up with my, with my cash flow on the other side. So those are the kind of challenges, especially on the Kenyan. And if you go up to Rwanda which is exciting and, you know, really on this pier of, of is doing business. So in Rwanda, the tax to get a bottle of wine there is 120%. Say that so again, you can sorry, imagine sorry, 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 hold up, hold up. 
120% on a bottle of wine, 750 what, mils. Yeah, on the, on the invoice price. So if if the wine is $100, so you're paying 120 tax on top of that $100. So your wine cost already is 220 besides the transport and the logistics. And obviously the wine ends up being expensive there. So, you know, you kind of pricing yourself out of the market, especially if you are a really small, small player. So why would you want to sell in the market like that? There's demand. There's demand for the product. At that so price? For, for, as, as a producer, for me, I can always pass the price on. Yes. So yes. It, it's prohibitive. But the, the, the good part about it, and unless you say it, what are the opportunities? Because, you know, alcohol is just the same. People want to consume it. So it might be expensive, uh, but you just price the, you just pass the price on. The only struggle is getting the product from A to B. And it's just like really bureaucracy and uh, they give you so much stuff. For instance, in Kenya, the same wine which is going to UK, uh, to America, doesn't go that much rigorous test as the Kenyan ones to to put the wine in. You ask yourself, okay, if it's good for America, if it's good for the UK without this test, why in Africa? But then, you know, that's how the continent is. Obviously, someone is is eating in some way or the other. And, and I mean, for your industry, what would you benefit from a harmonization of these processes? I mean, if you go to other parts of the world, that same bottle of wine might probably go um, through one real customs approval before it gets to yes. its market, say in Cabo Verde, because yes. so many of the health controls, safety controls, tax regimes... Um, and all of the other things that would add additional costs are streamlined or, I guess, are, are synchronized on the continent. What implication would that have for, for your business? Obviously, man, I think it's, it's, it's more progressive growth. Uh, you know, I don't care, care to get chalked with this cash flow and, you know, having to follow up and, and with the creditors. I think it gives me much more... Uh, obviously, you sell more because ease of doing business uh, and there's even much more growth. So besides putting the money in, 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 in all those expensive costs, I can then, you know, channel that money to traveling in the markets and really growing while I'm there. So it, it's just ease of business. It's, it's ease of business and that, you know, consistent guarantee of income coming through, especially mm. this, this business is really about cash flow. And if you really don't have that cash flow, I can't produce. And if I can produce... I can't sell. And you, you're almost in that cash 22 when the guy is telling me, okay, I'll pay you, but I don't have stock. Now I have stock, I have to give him. And, you know, it just cancels out that. And it really does ease of business. It's much simpler, if I put it in yeah, simple terms. Yeah, yeah. And I guess maybe a last one, more out of jest than anything like that. Uh, I mean, in your travels across the continent and in your markets you, you operate from, how do we break, I guess, the um, sort of wineland um, monopoly on the kind of wines that are drank on our continent? I mean, you go everywhere and you find wine from a particular KWB, part of South Africa. Niederberg. Yeah, man, like you go to Ghana or you go to Cote d'Ivoire and you're finding the same wines from yeah, like that yeah. part of South Africa. What other places in South Af- in, on the continent could potentially be producing wine and competing with our Huguenot friends out in the Western Cape? <laughs> I think on a, on a climatic basis alone, it's quite difficult to make wines uh, just 
you know, even after Zimbabwe going up to the equator because it's too hot. Uh, and the reason why Cape Town is so good because it rains in winter uh, and summers are dry. So the rest of the continent, so much rain. So on a quality level, I don't think any country other than South Africa will produce wine of that quality. Mm. But I know in the Rift Valley, Kenya, there's some vineyards uh, up in the north like Morocco. There's some vineyards. I mean, the process of establishing vineyards in Zimbabwe but it's more, it's more that you have it, but on a quality basis, I don't think it's, it's, it's worth venturing into, uh, to be honest. Uh, so I think in that sense, the, the greatest wine from Africa are always going to be coming from the Cape. Sure. I guess then we have to yeah, have a chat about uh, some, <laughs> of the, some of that. But uh, my brother, we're going to have to leave it here for tonight. Thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us and sharing uh, a part of your business, I guess a glimpse into part of your business that um, certainly gives us a lot to think about. Maybe just the last one before we let you go. Uh, w- when you look at your entire structure, right, your entire process yes. flow of getting your product from when it gets to you to your ultimate consumer. Um, yes. I mean, if we were to break down all of these barriers you've just spoken about just on logistics, I mean, there, there would be many other things that we might yes. talk about, about regulation once it gets to the market, the ultimate market. All of those things, I mean, h- how much of the continent ideally would your product get to? I mean, if you take apart maybe the countries where they don't drink alcohol, you know, h- how much of the continent uh, would ideally yes, be pretty, a marketplace? In those, Af- in those Afro con- countries, you know, uh, Ghana is quite big, Nigeria is quite big, Equatorial Guinea, big on wine, those Cameroon, big on wine. But I think ultimately the biggest markets uh, in Africa definitely Kenya because of its metropolitan and, and Nigeria. Mm. Those are the markets you really, really do well. Uh, and I'm excited because I'm in Kenya. I'm really growing very big. Nigeria, almost there. It's taking me almost two years to get even to get a, a talk with, a, with an importer. So it's a really huge market I'm excited about. Uh, big on champagne. Mm. Uh, so, you know, I think for me, you know, with, with, with the more African consumer having traveled, uh, especially to Europe and coming back, you're seeing the wine culture is even improving, especially uh, with the food culture as well. So there's really much more potential for, you know, African-grown products really doing more in Africa. We'll have to leave it there for tonight, uh, but uh, I want to take time to thank you for uh, taking time out to speak to us uh, this evening and sharing with us, as I said, a glimpse into your business. Tinasha Nyamudoka, a Somali founder and director of Gumusha Wines. Thank you so much for your time, man. Pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. Have a great night. Thank you so much.